You're listening to the Business Artist Podcast. My name is Jan Melhoes. Today our guest is Gavin Allen. Gavin Allen is a tech entrepreneur. He's coming from finance, but he has evolved into a tech entrepreneur. And he's also launched a great podcast called Excel Elites, uh, where he wants to uh, give people his experience, which he got over two and a half decades of experience in finance, in uh, in accounting, in doing Excel sheets, um, and obviously in the tech space. And he's also, and that's why I think he's very interesting to me, He's also uh, trying to bring a lighter side uh, into, into accounting. He's trying to embrace the fun side of it, which I, which I actually know as well, and we'll come to it later on. But first of all, let's introduce Gavin Allen. Gavin, welcome to the show. Yes, it's a pleasure to be on the show. And uh, my aim is basically, as you've quite rightly said there, Jan, to make finance fun. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping... Um, over the coming months and years that uh, we, we drag accounting out of the dark ages and I even go as far as to wear very brightly colored shirts and suits and ties and socks just to bring an element of uh, humor and fun to the world of finance. I think that's very much needed. Um, I actually had my first um, uh, experience with accounting when I was about 30 years old. I had already a career in the corporate music business and then I did my MBA and then I was first faced, I totally came from the creative side, but then I was faced with accounting courses and to be honest, uh, the moment I started reading the book at home, I was falling asleep. Honestly, the moment <laughs> I started reading, yes. My, <laughs> Me my too first, as well, yeah. funny enough, but Me there too, you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. And my, yeah, first exam, my first exam was, was horrible and then I said, okay, you have to do it, you have to get into it, otherwise you fail in the MBA. And I really worked and I reached a point where I really laughed when in the end, when you do this uh, uh, credit and debits, uh, and yes, end, yeah. you find the balance and it's kind of, I don't know, some some uh, beauty of, of symmetry which comes out in the end. Yeah, was, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's a, um, it's a very logical science is, is accounting. Um, and I think that's probably why, you know, I, I enjoy it and have a passion for it as well as technology, because, you know, behind the numbers is, a, you know, an age old art of debits and credits, you know, invented by a Venetian monk many, 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 many decades ago, um, a gentleman by the name of Luca Pacioli. And he actually invented double entry bookkeeping for the pirate trade so that they could keep track of, of their records nice and easily. Um, and if you, you know, fast forward now to the 21st century, those principles still apply. And I think, as you've said, Jan, it's that this is going to sound really geeky, but, you know, there is an element of satisfaction when the books are balanced because Absolutely. you know that the, yeah, the double entry bookkeeping is working. And I think, you know, my challenge, particularly in today's modern era, is technology is doing an awful lot of that for us. Having said that, accounting, as some of your audience may or may not know, is subjective. It does need a human person to look over information. So it pains me to say, but auditors will still be here, even when we've got the most <laughs> intelligent, artificially intelligent software the audit committees and the audit boards will will still still be there but you know i agree i don't i don't mind admitting that uh, you know i'm a geek when it comes to technology i'm probably an even bigger geek when it comes to numbers when i was at uh, university and school um, i thoroughly enjoyed mathematics you know I, I did mathematics up to a very very high level 
Um, and at the time, it was sort of, how can I best use mathematics? Do I become an engineer or do I become an accountant? Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I went the accounting route. And what's interesting is my son has inherited a lot of that and my daughter. They're both very, very technical when it comes to numbers. My daughter's gone the biochemistry route and my son's gone into automotive engineering. So it's, it's quite good to see that legacy continue. Yes, um, tell me, I mean, very interesting what you just said that uh, I'm, I wouldn't have thought so. And I think many people wouldn't think so, that even with the AI coming and automation, I, I think many people think that accounting would be one of the first things which could be con totally uh, done by, by technology. Why do you think the human element will stay? Because it's very subjective. Um, if, we, if we take a, a very simple example yes. um, of the assets of an organization, no amount of computing power or technology is going to be able to substitute the person going into what we call create a fair valuation. So let, let's keep it nice and simple. You have on your balance sheet a vehicle mm -hmm. um, and that vehicle has an intrinsic value um, and that intrinsic value declines over time. And every year the asset is revalued. Now, you could argue a computer could do a simple lookup and find out what the market price is, but there might be something special about that vehicle that is special to that organization that makes it worth more or less. So whilst I think artificial intelligence will go some way, it's never going to replace the accountant. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So it's, it's the evaluation of the assets, may, what, what is mainly done by humans and will be Correct. done by humans. Okay. Yeah. And then I think, you know, when we get into, you know, the real corporate world, you know, how do you value goodwill? How do you value intellectual property? I mean, I, I'm developing right now um, a software solution that I'm taking to market next year. And, you know, the patents and trademarks have been approved, but it has an intrinsic intangible value on my balance sheet. Now, how can a computer give you that value? It can't, is the honest answer. Absolutely. That's, that's very um, clear, I think, the way you explain it. It makes sense. And... Uh, immediately I come into uh, thoughts come up for me when I talk to accountants uh, in businesses they, they always want from me an evaluation of uh, some creative um, vision we are pursuing and uh, mm. they try to make numbers behind it and obviously you're right you can't just let put a calculator in there and let them calculate it's true exactly exactly now I think um, artificial intelligence is a buzzword of the day. You know, it, it's come down from Hollywood. So, you know, at the end of the day, artificial intelligence is here. Uh, we see it in the automotive industry. Um, again, you know, is it going to take the place of a driver? Um, aircraft can fly themselves. You still need the element of human piloting. Um, mm -hmm. When we drink, drill down back into the, the world of the, the humble accountant, artificial intelligence can help and empower that accountant to make better use of his time. And just to be absolutely clear, in the world that uh, I operate, it's actually more described as machine learning. So when an organization is looking to forecast the future, so let's take a retail organization that is selling goods, um, and they've been selling those goods for two, three, four years. Often when they do a forecast, it's, you know, a lot of people sit around a table and they, Will, I'm not going to say argue, but have constructive conversations yes. about yes. the future. Yes. Now, with artificial intelligence, it can use statistical algorithms to unearth 
trends in that data. So, you know, from my point of view, that's where it has a place. But ultimately, it requires a human signature to sign off the accounts. So at the end of the day, um, I love technology. I love it with a passion. As much as I love the, 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 the bookkeeping and the accounting, um, and the two have a place, and long may that continue. Very well said. Um, I think um, it's far easier for people to uh, understand why one can have love for technology, but uh, love for finance and for accounting, that's not that common, let us say this way. So maybe can you, uh, apart from what we talked in the beginning, how can uh, people who maybe have already um, a lot of um, touch points with accounting and numbers, but uh, find it boring and maybe are afraid of it, um, or want to uh, try to do uh, as don't want to really get involved with it. How can they start having fun with with accounting and numbers? Um, it's a very very good question. Um, trying to summarise it is 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 quite <laughs> tricky, but uh, I will try. Thank you. <laughs> so I think when you know if, if you're looking into a career in finance and accounting, there's clearly. You, you need an appetite for, for the numbers. You know, you need to be numerate, as I call it. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean you need to be a rocket scientist with, with numbers, but you need to be fascinated with logic and processes because the fundamentals of accounting, whilst we've, you know, we've, we've said a number of times that accounting and finance should be fun, um, it's the logical element that makes it fun. I'm not for one second going to say working late nights is, is fun when you're an accountant looking to do the year end. But for anyone coming into the industry right now, it's a great place to be because the accessibility of information um, is all at your fingertips. You know, 20 years ago, when a new reporting standard may have come in, you would have to wait for the publications to come out from the accounting bodies. Now it's electronic, it's there, it's immediate. Um, and I think for the, for the, you know, the young guns coming through the ranks, you know, it, it's a great career to have. And it definitely is fun because the technology takes away a lot of the, the mundane and allows them to have time for expanding their knowledge, education. Um, but fundamentally, if you're in the finance department, you basically have an indirect seat on the board. And I know that sounds a very big statement to make, mm -hmm. but you have an intrinsic value that is recognized in that organization. And it's something I see all the time. You know, when I see, um, you know, the, the young personnel coming out of university and they're thinking about, like me, do I go accounting? Do I go engineering? It's not for me to say what's right. But I think with the advent of technology um, and the ever-evolving reporting standards in these uncertain economic times, I think adds up to quite a valuable proposition for the next 15 to 20 years. Yes. What I've also noticed uh, during my career was, uh, and that may, it might be motivating for people uh, who are in university right now or deciding even only for university course, I noticed that um, CFOs are always uh, very often the youngest people in a, on mm. C-level. For example, for marketing or for operations, um, tech, you need more uh personality track record maybe but in finance you can make it quite quick by just getting the numbers right by just mm. understanding it do you did you see that as well 
Yeah, very much so. I think um, the Office of Finance, as I call it, particularly um, in today's fast-paced environment, is actually looking younger. Um, as a 52-year-old myself, it pains me to say that, but uh, actually it, it keeps me young, it keeps me alert. Um, and I think the real, the real power of uh, what we're witnessing now is these younger finance professionals have entrepreneurial spirit running through their veins and they will always be looking to do something quicker faster and better than their predecessor because it's in their dna i see that with my my children who are young adults now in university they will find a way to do something quicker and faster than maybe we've thought of and again long may that continue you know i i think as a slightly older generation we can learn a lot from the approach that um, you know the young guns have coming through um, but it also makes us better people as well um, i'm a big advocate of you know we don't have all the answers um, i like to do everything with a smile on my face that can be quite infectious but mm -hmm. i think when you've got a young team as well i think it's great to to hear some of their views you know they're challenging the the natural wisdom um, and the core principles of finance and I think that's going to rejuvenate the finance function entirely because the youngsters of today will become the what I call the philosophers and authors of the future. And it's it's really great to see. Fantastic. Is your your you said your daughter and your son they are both very good with numbers? Are they following the accounting or the technology uh, route? Um, well, my daughter is definitely um, she's blazing a trail in the world of biochemistry. So. All right. um, she wants to basically make the world a better place and hopefully work with um, the Marie Curie Cancer Research Foundation. Um, and, you know, looking to basically, I mean, it's very admirable, you know, as a 22 year old, she basically um, has set out her, her life career as I'd like to be part of solving cancer, which is great. It's great to hear. My son, on the other hand, is very hands-on. You know, he's been building um, Lego models since he was since he could walk, um, and he's gone straight into engineering. Um, and you know, he's he's into automotive engineering in a heavy way, because quite rightly, um, you know, automotive um, design is changing. We're moving into an electric era, and the demand for engineers in that space is starting to grow. So. Yeah, I'm really proud of my children, um, but equally more proud. Yeah, I'm proud of my wife for actually sticking <laughs> with me for 20 odd years. So, you know, it's been a, a, a rocky journey, but it's great to see some of, you know, my values and principles in your siblings. That's always good to see. Yeah, absolutely. What what uh, can you tell us more about your business, what you're doing mainly um, as a tech entrepreneur? Yeah, I, I basically um, I'll probably devalue myself somewhat here, but I'm a gun for hire. So at the end of the day, um, I work with um, senior execs and C-level members of boards going into organizations and effectively helping them get better use out of their personnel, their technology, um, and transforming a business without necessarily firing half the company because you can save money in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, my business is a consultancy business built around me, um, but going into 2020 is an exciting time for Gavin. Um, I've launched my own podcast that you kindly promoted at the start, XL Elites. That's about giving information back based on my um, experience. 
and that's free and you know for me um it, it, there's no better better vehicle for communicating than a podcast secondly i've designed my own software um mm -hmm. where i've seen the current vendors in the market falling short um because the answer's not in a spreadsheet um it's you know it's probably in conjunction with a spreadsheet i've spent the last 18 months learning how to program learning how to code and i'm launching my own product to the market in 2020 so it's an exciting time for me um adds another revenue stream as well um you know for those entrepreneurs that are probably listening to the podcast now it's important to recognize the value of a um a subscription model so you know we're all, we're all very used to you might even be listening to this podcast on a subscription model um so you know if you looked at say itunes you probably wouldn't spend 300 pounds on itunes but you're probably okay spending seven eight pounds a month but basically you do the work up front early and then you get recurring revenue and for me you know my next five to six years are all about building up a customer base of maybe 30 40 customers um and then essentially i have a recurring business model that allows me to explore some of my passions outside of business like what what kind of passions are these so i'm a i'm an enormous fan of all things motorsport and cars and um i i've probably lost so much money in the cars that i've bought over the years but you know i think i alluded to it briefly you know the world's moving to electric electric cars and you know that's moving at a great pace it's nice to see premium brands going that way um but i you know i i love the the oily rag the engines you know the the internal combustion engine um mm. and you know they're, they're going to become collectible um as i probably get into my later years so long answer to a simple question but it's all things motorsport but i also love playing the guitar so you know i've got mm -hmm. my guitar is actually the outlet for um if i have a busy day i can unwind over 30 35 minutes just playing the guitar it's such a great it's such a great thing to be able to create something with a musical instrument. Um, so again, you can probably see elements of that technology in some of my things that I do outside of work, but uh, nonetheless, it's all about cars. It's all about motor racing. Um, so yeah, I'm, you know, I've got plenty to be keeping me busy. Yes. Uh, I want to go one step back because uh, I found it very interesting um, what you mentioned. Um, when you said um, that you, I think when I calculate right, uh, at the age of 50, you started to learn to code, right? Correct. So I think for many people who are afraid of technology or of the fast, rapid coming changes of the future, uh, that is very good to hear that there's no problem to learn coding by the age of 50. How did you, how did you get to the idea? How did you get the courage to do it? And how did you do it? So I think it's, it's right. It's the courage. It's, it's having faith in your own ability. Um, the human brain is, is, is a fantastic computational engine. Um, we're always learning. We, we don't use um, probably half of our brain in um, the way that we, we should in terms of advancing us as a human race. Now, for me, learning to program has always been something I've wanted to do. And it's, you know, when you've got a powerful computer, You know, when we draw an analogy, a typical laptop has probably got a thousand times the power of what took man to the moon. Um, you know, you think to yourself, if the software's not quite working, how can I make it work? And the only way is to, to learn code. 
Now, in the modern era, you have applications and software solutions that are effectively labeled as low code or no code solutions. They're like building blocks. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think even when you look at, um, you know, primary schools now um, and things like the Raspberry Pi, you've got youngsters learning fairly complex programming languages. Now, when you talk to the, the youth of today, they see it as just that. It's a language. It's just like learning German, Spanish, Italian. They just see it as a language. And mm -hmm. it got me thinking, how hard can it be? Well, it's, it's a challenge, put it this way. Um, it's something I wish I'd done 25 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. But again, you know, the advent of online courses um, and, you know, platforms like Udemy, you know, for, for literally tens of euros, you have a tutor with 30 hours of recording that steps you through the process. And I think what's really been surprising to me is how quickly I've picked up coding because it's an extremely logical science. And for me, it just seemed the natural advent um, going forward. A, a, a simple example, Jan, Yes. You've got a spreadsheet, a menu doesn't quite do what, uh, what you're expecting it to. It's Microsoft. Instead of just saying, oh, Microsoft's not doing what I want, yeah. actually work out how you can make it do what you want, which means learning a little bit of code. All of a sudden, you've, you've embedded your own menu in an Excel workbook that maybe cuts out half of your day of cut and pasting and loading files, just with perhaps two or three lines of code. And that, for me, was my aha moment. It was by programming and learning how to program, it brings the art of the possible into Gavin's hands. It's like a crystal ball. If someone says, can we do that? The answer is always yes, but then there comes a cost and a price in terms of time. Mm -hmm. Modern technology enables you to compile code without actually writing code. Um, and it's interesting that we're having this discussion because I've actually had a guest on my show, um, podcast, a little plug for my podcast, yes, uh, goes, go on, go actually, on, actually, go, actually goes <laughs> on the podcast this weekend. Um, and he is the, um, the CEO of a platform that is uh, basically what's called a low programming solution. Yeah. And at the end of the day, this is putting um, computing power into the hands of what I call us mere mortals. Um, mm. But us mere mortals know what we want. We know what the business processes are. And now at our fingertips, we can use software to actually turn that into something real. And that we're sort of, you know, we're going full circle now. That's why it's so exciting right now um, for anyone getting into this space. Don't be afraid of technology. Don't be afraid of finance. At the end of the day, they're both, both very logical and they're also very binary. Let's take a computer. It runs with ones and noughts. Accounting is debits and credits. It's that simple. Um, so, what, you know, why, why can't you have fun with basically four items? One, nought, debit, credit. You can have enormous amounts of fun. Um, and I call it the power of four. Hello, Gavin, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I just no, lost the, the power no, of four. Okay. Yeah, yeah you, the power of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the power of four. Um, debits, credits, ones and zeros. If you explain mm -hmm. what that means, um, you basically, the world's your oyster at the end of the day. Um, and that, debits and credits why, for accounting and one and zero for coding. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's that, it's that simple and that's why it's fun. And that's, that's why I'm passionate about it. Um, some As call we can geek, hear. 
Yeah, yeah. Some call me a geek, but you know, I, I think it's exciting times, and I love telling the story. I think geek is a compliment uh, that you get. But what you said was for me was like amazing. I would love to go deeper into it. So, what kind of language did you learn? So, I've actually learned three programming languages. So, yes. um, I started learning um, Python, which is yeah. for for most mathematicians out there, it's a, it's a natural next step. Um, going into the Python language. Mm -hmm. um, I've then gone on to learn um, HTML5. Mm -hmm. uh, fundamentally, the reason I've gone with that is because it's the platform against which all mobile technologies are designed. Um, but my main, my main programming um, language is JavaScript, mm -hmm. not Java, as in mm -hmm. the Java plugins. It's the scripting language behind everything that you see. So, If you go onto Google Chrome and you right click, you'll see something that says inspect. When you click inspect, at the bottom window will pop up all the JavaScript. It's the code behind the window that you see. Um, mm -hmm. And it's the platform that fundamentally seems to be um, blazing a trail. Um, it's leaving C++ behind. Um, it's leaving Python and maybe some of the more algorithmic languages like R um, behind as well because it, it's, it's evolved as a programming language and it's actually really great fun. There's nothing greater than writing your first bit of code that's beyond hello world but it's actually a little dialogue box with something that it does. Um, if you're ever getting into code when you've programmed your first calculator it's a great feeling and <laughs> I can't really say any more than that um, but yeah my main language is JavaScript. So do you think uh, would you, for somebody like, like, for example, like me, because you just inspired me and I was uh, always, I always like to do some coding and, but I always had this, you know, little resistance. Now you're working a little bit on me, maybe to go over this resistance. So would you say mm -hmm. just start with JavaScript or would you start with Python, which many people are recommending or if you know, know JavaScript <coughs> is the one, yeah. just go for that one or? Yeah, I would go with JavaScript. And there's, a, there's a reason for that recommendation. It's not just because it is the, the number one ranked um, coding platform. It's because it's a platform that does more than just the computational side. Python is very much, um, you know, for the scientists and the statisticians, you know, to do complex calculations. Yes. It's not designed fundamentally for the the graphical interface side of things, you know, the, the glossy look and feel, the screens, the things that we see. Um, and interact with you know you, you would you will struggle using Python um, to get that there are plugins for Python that enable you to create that but it's not going to be web enabled very quickly um, and JavaScript is a complete language um, it's not only a computational language but it's a language that you can also build all of your screens and your interfaces and you've only got to search Udemy or similar um, online platforms to see that you know Anyone that's got a reasonably statistical mind can learn JavaScript in as little as 10 hours. Wow. Udemy, how do you spell that? That's U-D-E-M-Y. Udemy. Okay, so we did some advertising for Udemy as well now, but for good yeah. reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll follow that up afterwards and get a little bit of uh, commission. Uh, exactly. It, it, again, it's all about, I mean, the, the beauty of these podcasts is the... The exchange of information. Um, yes. It comes back to what I was saying earlier. Information is out there. Um, I believe and passionately believe in constantly coaching and educating ourselves. Podcasting is 
Um, you know, it's, it's a skill, it's an art, but everyone can do it. Um, and the same applies to, to learning any discipline. The advent of the, the internet, used correctly, gives you, you know, access to fantastic training courses and also course tutors for tens of euros. Not but 10 years ago, that would have cost thousands of euros. Um, and that's, that's really what I love, you know, constantly learning new things. I mentioned my passion for cars and, you know, mm -hmm. taking engines apart and those type of things. I guess that's the physical side of me. Um, you know, I've spent my career as a white collar worker, um, you know, not getting my fingers dirty. So I, I feel I need to do something um, that at least um, uses my sort of hands in a, an industrious capacity. Hence also the guitar playing. Mm -hmm. Yes, doing things with your body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'd like to think I could do uh, a little bit more of the fitness side of things. Um, and, you know, I think, I think a healthy mind breeds, you know, a healthy body. So, you know, I know, I know my brain doesn't feel 52. My body probably does at the moment. But, um, you know, I'm embarking on a life journey where, you know, I'm, I'm not reinventing Gavin. I've just had this inner Gavin that's never, that's been too afraid to come out and basically say, yeah, some great things happening. Um, and, you know, I, I feel blessed that we've got these platforms to actually discuss these type of topics. Yeah. And I think you bring uh, uh, so much value. So it's, it's really, uh, you're doing a service by expressing yourself and coming out with it because it is uh, the, the whole information you gave me in the last half hour already was uh, particular for me, but I'm sure for our listeners as well, uh, very mm. valuable. Thank yeah, you for absolutely. that. For, yeah. No. Um, so, but you, you did still, I mean, even before you started uh, learning coding and uh, doing your podcast and uh, building, building up your business, you've been in a very successful corporate career, uh, career for yes. like two and a half decades. Um, mm. Still in this career, um, why did you get to a place where you, where, you're not just, where you weren't just happy with being a CFO, with being in companies, with doing... Uh, the things which you love and which you are passionate about as well. Why did, did you have this urge to go to the next step? Or was there like an, uh, like a, for some people it's a crisis, uh, for mm. other people it's like a, a burnout or something, which also is a crisis, of course, or, or the, wow, uh, the wow effect or aha moment you mentioned with uh, discovering mm. JavaScript. But how did you uh, evolve from being happy in a CFO career to building up your own business? I think you mentioned the word happy and I've mentioned the word fun. As soon as, the, as, soon as I didn't find the, um, the roles I was doing fun, I'm not necessarily saying it wasn't keeping me busy, but as soon as the fun factor disappeared, it wasn't for me. Um, mm -hmm. For most of our audience here, we trade time for money. Um, and, you know, as much as we'd like to break out from that cycle, you know, that's the world that we live in. Um, and I didn't want to get up every morning trading my time for a financial reward and actually not being very happy with it. And I also didn't feel that I was leaving any sort of legacy. Um, it's a bold statement to make, but I want to leave a legacy of something. Mm -hmm. um, and this is now starting to happen for me. Now, if I was still in role um, and I was still a CFO, um, I'm still an accountant by heart as well, so I haven't forgotten <laughs> the disciplines, but... You know, to answer your question, if I yeah. was still in, um, you know, that, that senior exec role, yeah, life would be comfortable, financially would be, you know, would be fine. But am I really leaving a legacy? 
you know what do i mean by that well you know i think we've all got skills that i think we can leave behind for the next generation um mm. and just staying in a corporate role that wasn't fun that was my main driver for doing something else um was fundamentally to to turn things around and to start thinking about others instead of me mm -hmm. um it's something i'm really passionate about you know we we all do really great things but unless we share it outside of the corporate world we're not going to let anyone else know the good things that we're doing and i just didn't see that in the corporate world you know you turned up for work you work long hours uh, the politics used to drive you mad um you know i think we've all seen the podcasts um you know with uh, some of the more heavy hitting um if you like mentors that just say right let's just just get on with things and the the corporate world had run its course you know by the time i was in my early 40s mid 40s i thought this isn't for me um and interestingly um since you've mentioned that topic it drove me into a really dark place you know i was working incredibly long hours with lots of pressure Mm -hmm. um and it took me probably into a place that i i never want to go back to again you know some might call it a nervous breakdown some might call it pressure but it basically it it almost destroyed me with the pressure mm -hmm. so you know i took two years out um i've bounced back I'm, I'm loving what i'm doing right now i love these type of conversations i think it's fantastic and as an individual, I think we should be proud of everything we achieve. And sometimes in the corporate world, there is no pride. You know, it's a job. It's what people do. Um, you know, and, you know, people say, you know, what's a job just over broke? Well, you know, I, I don't hold that literally to its, to its nth degree because I think a job is more rewarding beyond the money. It's about, you know, do you enjoy what you're doing? Are you leaving something that you're proud of? You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, I, I don't look for a pat on the back, but it's just nice to say I did that and it will remain there for, you know, for forevermore. And I think that's, you know, the, the, the advent of social media um, and YouTube and the platform that we're actually working on, podcasts, mm -hmm. it's there forever. Yes. Um, and that's great. I love it. I think that, that's what we're all about. And you're not going to get that in the corporate world. Why do you think is that? Why is it not possible to build up a company? And I know many have the kind of uh, values which might uh, make it appear that they are uh, giving this uh, giving this option, like Google or, or Apple. Mm. But in the end, when I talk to people, no matter where they work, it's still this corporate world is still this job. Why is it not possible for a company to create an environment where people can still leave a legacy, can still create something which stays forever? Mm. It's a, it's a fantastic point, Jan, and it's it's one that uh, is worthy of a, a, a good response here. I think at the moment, you know, you look at the the exec boards of probably ninety percent of you know the FTSE two fifty, um, mm -hmm. certainly in in the UK, and they are um, they're more traditionalists, they're more reserved. Um, I'm not saying they're they're scared of innovation, but that they will run things their own way. We, we actually spoke earlier in, in our conversations about the, the, the young guns coming through. I think when those young guns come through and start making intros into the exec boards, they will change the landscape of corporate businesses to be more entrepreneurial, giving everyone a voice. Let's look at some of the, you know, the, the really 
you know, let's call it the, the out there type organizations. You know, we, we've got Tesla blazing a trail led by Elon Musk. You know, love him or hate him. He's doing his own thing. And, you know, he's, he's got a great policy of running his company. Um, you know, what we, we look at other organizations in a very, very similar way. Um, you know, Google, another great example. Um, and these are basically, you know, the Googles, the Facebooks, these type of things. Look at the people that are running them. You know, they are love them or hate them. They are their own people. Um, you wouldn't describe uh, Mark Zuckerberg as your typical CEO. In fact, you'd, you'd think of him completely the opposite. And again, like him or hate him, you know, he's, he's left a legacy, but he's running a company his way. And, you know, damn everyone else if they want to do it differently. And I think that's what will change, but it's not going to be for the next 10 or 15 years mm-hmm. that the 90% of companies turn into the 10% that we have now. Yeah, but I think um, Mark Zuckerberg, you, you put as an example, uh, he's definitely leaving his legacy, but I'm not sure. I don't have that much insight. I know some people work at Facebook, but don't have so much insight. But I'm not sure uh, that he also creates an environment where all of his employees have the chance to create their legacy and mm. uh, to feel that they never have to leave uh, the world because they can fulfill themselves they can leave their legacy they can create things which belong to them um do you think i i, well, I fucking cut in there Jan. Yes, i totally agree yeah. as soon as facebook um floated and went onto the uh, the new york stock exchange that's yes. when the landscape of a company completely changes exactly. um you know that those those entrepreneurial spirits don't ultimately hold all the cards anymore. Um, and again, I think unless there's a fundamental shakeup in how companies are structured in terms of share ownership, that's going to be a real roadblock. And I think it's probably why companies have remained the way they are. You know, these really out there entrepreneurial type uh, companies <clears throat> start off life just that, great places to be. They grow at an exponential rate. They float on the, the stock market. All of a sudden comes all of the political correctness that goes with it. Um, yes. And unless you're a really strong individual, um, you know, it, that's going to be difficult. And it's, it's not one that I think you or I could solve, but it's, a, it's worthy of a big discussion, that's for sure. Yeah, I think to have the awareness that that happens might Maybe uh, let one or the other entrepreneur take the decision not to go public with the company. I mean, there are very successful companies who never went public. Mm. So um, just to have the awareness can already make the change in the future. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think, um, you know, it's ultimately when you go public, it's, you know, it's for funding, it's for growth, it's for, for, you know, whatever those growth ambitions are. But, um, you know, you've got cryptocurrencies coming through now that, potentially offering different investment platforms so who knows you know the limited company or the public limited companies of today may not be so in 10 15 years time it could be a very different proposition yeah and that's a very good point i want to talk to you it's i cannot miss the question to somebody who's in tech and in finance uh, to talk to him about cryptocurrencies because i'm uh, very much involved as well i mm bought and sold uh, and uh, are still buying and um, I want to want to ask you for your view uh, on first of all on the cryptocurrencies and then also on the blockchain technology what what do you think what kind of events uh, can 
can will happen in the future and how will they yeah, which role will they play yeah i think you know cryptocurrency um is is a new commodity mm-hmm. um most people listening to this podcast will know bitcoin um but there are a number of other cryptocurrencies that are competing in the same space Now, the problem is with cryptocurrency, it's actually heavily linked with your second question, which was, what do I think of blockchaining? Because the value of cryptocurrency is only valuable if it can transact electronically. So, for instance, um, I know you can get some artificial bitcoins, physical bitcoins, but it's actually a digital product. Going back to my ones and noughts, a bitcoin is is a one or a naught. Um, and it only has intrinsic value when something makes it valuable. Now, in the case of Bitcoin, unfortunately, it was the, the deepest recesses of the, the dark web that made the Bitcoin <laughs> as valuable it is, as it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you place Bitcoin to one side and you look at other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum um, and you know similar platforms like that, I think if we dovetail that to blockchaining you know blockchaining for those that don't know is the ability to transact completely electronically so an order is placed in one system automatically received on the other goods are automatically ordered and the transaction processing could be done by cryptocurrencies so if you were to get some real not wishing to give too much away here if you were to get two big heavy hitters like microsoft and oracle um, that back a particular cryptocurrency that cryptocurrency will have an intrinsic value. It'll go from literally cents to inordinate amounts of dollars because it has an intrinsic value because it has a place. That's probably a very complicated answer to a simple question, but <laughs> I think I think the volatility of um, cryptocurrencies is is what scares most people. Um, you know, for those of us that were fortunate to have bitcoins maybe two or three years ago and got out while the going was good. You know, have probably you know got got a nice little financial nest egg, yeah. um, but it was because that intrinsic value, unfortunately, was generated from a you know a rather unsavoury place. But you know, Bitcoin is coming back. It's reinvented itself. It's now becoming um, you know one of the modern cryptocurrencies that's being transacted. But the worth of that is only when it's intrinsically incorporated into other technologies. As a standalone item, you're never going to go into your local supermarket and buy a loaf of bread with cryptocurrency. You know, by its very nature, it's a digital product. It's a digital currency that needs to work in a digital platform. Is it, in your view, something which you would recommend to invest in? So I'll caveat that by saying I'm not a financial advisor. But um, yeah, I think um, if you are, if you have some inside and valuable knowledge into up-and-coming um, cryptocurrencies that are potentially going to be embedded into certain technologies, then yes, absolutely get into it. Um, but it'll only last for a very small period of time. If I cite that example I mentioned a minute ago, Microsoft and Oracle decide to use a particular cryptocurrency. As soon as that's made public, that cryptocurrency becomes hyper-valuable, but only for a short period of time. Um, so I would say it's 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 a scary it's a scary market to be in, but if you've got the knowledge and you've got the willingness and desire to be brave, you can make some money with um, with cryptocurrency. But it's not for everybody. 
Yes, I, I agree with you. Uh, I would also put the caveat uh, which you mentioned in as well, but I, I also think it is a very good investment, but uh, you can always have to face the risk that you can lose everything. And if you can't yeah. face it, then you shouldn't go in it. That's yeah, exactly. I think, you know, whilst we're talking about, you know, investment strategies, it's great to have a portfolio, um, you know, maybe in some more um, stable commodities. Um, and for some people, you know, having their money just, you know, in their in their bank, in their in their financial institution is enough. For others who get into investing, it's, you know, it's a different world, but it's an exciting one. I agree with you. Um, I would like to come back to the very beginning when I asked you about uh, your your current business. Um, so exactly, um, if somebody is listening to hear uh, to you here, for example, and uh, might have a company, might have a problem. What kind of problems uh, are you solving for companies? Can you go more deeper into this? Yeah. So coming full circle, you know, my main remit is to allow people to leave work on time at five o'clock so notice how i've i've moved away from technology and gone into the people side technology mm -hmm. will enable those people to have a life outside of their day job so the sorts of problems that i will go in and solve is looking at business processes um let's take an example you order something you pay for something it's what's called order to cash Yeah. If you can transact that completely electronically, the people that currently push all of that paper around could spend more time auditing and getting better deals. Mm -hmm. That's the type of thing that I will do. As a byproduct of that, I try and mitigate the use of spreadsheets. Um, and I'm not here to say that you can replace spreadsheets. Um, again, you know, it's probably the subject of another podcast. Um, you know, spreadsheets are here to stay. Um, they're an interface into the world of numbers. Um, but they're not a database. So mm -hmm. coming back to your question, Jan, you know, I did see myself. Um, I'm not sure whether your audience will uh, remember the, the famous Red Adair. That's the man that used to go in with the red jacket and put out fires on the, the oil pumps in America. Mm -hmm. He was called the ultimate firefighter. So I'll go into organizations that are not in trouble, although some are, but they don't realize it, but are heading <laughs> for trouble. So... At the end of the day, I try and steer that ship around the icebergs and bring them out into calmer waters through the use of, I'm going to say it, common sense, <laughs> because I think sometimes I go into organizations, I look at people and go, really? You know, just common sense would tell you to not to do that. And yet you're doing that and it's costing you how much? So it's... Um, and of course, yes, technology plays a big part in that. And it's mm -hmm. only really now that I feel I have the authority to go into a, uh, an organization, you know, having sort of 25, nearly 30 years of experience. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, yes, it's rewarding financially to go in um, and consult, but it's actually rewarding to see the, the, the fruits of your efforts in the company turning around. Um, mm -hmm. And, that, you know, that, that's just a great place to be. Sounds absolutely like this. Um, and when somebody um, is interested in hiring you for a consulting job, uh, where can they find you? So I, I actually, um, I don't have a website for this very reason, because it's a very stale introduction to anybody. So basically, my LinkedIn profile is mm -hmm. the portal to my network. So if anyone wants to reach out to me, um, then my LinkedIn profile is definitely the place to be. 
Or you can indirectly get in touch with me via my XL Elites podcast because, again, all of my contact details are in there as well. Um, so, yeah, again, there's another subject, you know, the art of a good website. You know, it's, you know, do you need a website in modern business? You know, at the end of the day, um, many people, you know, their businesses are run through Facebook pages um, yes. and there's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, again, another exciting topic there. Um, we could probably have three or four of these yeah, yes. <laughs> different different subjects, but uh, there you go. We should meet again for another podcast, but uh, for oh, the website, absolutely. I agree with you. They have, the websites, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook are far more important now, I think. Websites mm. are often just a collection of the different uh, destinations and uh, just uh, an overview, but they are far not uh, far less effective in terms of conversion uh, than the social media sites we talked about. Absolutely. Um, again, love it or hate it, social media is is taking the world by storm and we're a small part of that by podcasting um mm -hmm. but it you know it can branch out into many different areas yeah i agree with you and i think it's also um it's up on us to shape social media in a way that it's a blessing for us uh, and yes. uh, we yep. have to play our part in it so it's just yeah a, a exactly tool, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm not here to say that, yeah. you know, there aren't some darkest corners of social media. We all know the risks um, yes. around it. And it is it is up to um, to us as a populace to, to shape the use of social media in the way in which it was intended. Um, and you're never going to get rid of the unscrupulous people out there that use it for alternative means. But we can do our damnedest to make sure that that's the minority and not the majority. Yes, that was... That were great words uh, to wrap up this podcast. Um, I thank you a lot for being here. It was an inspiring talk about finance, accounting, technology, human beings, and about purpose and uh, a legacy. Um, thanks a lot, Gavin, for, for being here and sharing your thoughts. Yeah, and it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm sure we've got plenty more content that we can cover, and it's been a delight and uh, yeah it's it's great to see your channel growing and uh, more power to you for that thank you um we will put put your linkedin profile in the description uh, on the podcast so if you're interested just go down and click on it and if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to uh, maybe get uh, personal feedback from me then you can book a 15-minute coaching call with me uh, just go on janmelhouse.com j-a-n-m-e-h-l-h-o-s-e.com there you can uh, just click, put in your name, your email, and uh, you can book your coaching call. Thank you for being here. Thanks to our guest, Gavin. This was amazing. And see you soon. Bye-bye, Gavin. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.